if my commitment is to the truth, then my commitment has to be willing to take a strong stand on matters that are extremely important. A couple of years ago, amid all of the noise surrounding the election, I discovered Sharon McMahon on Instagram, and I was hooked. Her fact-based, no-nonsense way of explaining everything from how Congress really works to what actually is going on in politics was so refreshing and helpful. Sharon taught high school government for years and now refers to herself as America's not-boring government teacher. (laughs) Over a million self-proclaimed governors, which I am one, are now learning from her on social media through her courses and the Sharon Says So podcast. And I can't tell you how grateful I am to have her here today. See, I have a little confession to make. This is actually take two of this interview. Somehow, in all of my excitement, our first time around, I forgot to push record on our Zoom and none of her track saved. Uh, I was sick about it. It had pretty much been the best interview of my life, and Sharon was so good, of course. That's why it was such a relief when she agreed to give me another shot to redo the whole thing. And then war broke out in Ukraine, and I realized that now I have an incredible opportunity to have a very different kind of interview so that we could learn from her how to help our families and ourselves during this difficult time. Do you have a pressing question about parenting but don't know who to ask? We are women supporting women, and we've got you. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. As Sharon often says, history matters. That thought has been running through my mind more than ever lately. And not just the history of a people and its government, but of families and the way that they live their lives. When my husband and I started Chatbooks in 2014, we were driven by a singular mission, to strengthen families. Our goal is to help every family see the magic in their everyday lives and be able to hold on to their history together. Chatbooks can help you get your photos out of your phones and into the hands of your family. I promise you won't regret it. And if you're new to Chatbooks, use code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. Thank you for being here. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Force, Sharon. Oh, so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy and relieved to be chatting with you today. Again, seriously, you are so kind to be able to give us a little more of your time for this second interview. (laughs) We had an absolutely (laughs) delightful chat first time around a couple weeks ago. But you know that saying, sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. Mm, well, it's a good as, way to look at it. <laughs> as painful as it was to realize that somehow I forgot to push the record button on Zoom that day, we've <laughs> actually been given a gift to learn from you in light of the difficult turn of events in our world these past couple of weeks. Mm, so thank you. You're so welcome. So I've had a lot of questions about what is going on in Ukraine. And of course, you are my go-to for answers about politics and current events. For the past couple of years, actually, I've been following you on Instagram along with million other people. I know that you were on vacation last week, too, which was mm-hmm. pretty terrible timing. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. I'm sure it was not very relaxing at all. But we were all <laughs> relieved when you posted, I'm back And you started teaching us what we need to know. And I've seen that post shared so many times on Instagram. Sharon, you are are making such a difference in this world. But I'm curious, as a high school government teacher, which you were, how many years ago were you teaching full-time? Over 10. So 10 years ago, 
could you ever imagine that you would have so many students waiting with bated breath to hear what you have to say, hanging on your every word the way it is now? (laughs) No, it's every teacher's dream, frankly. Like nobody is like, oh man, I don't want to be here. No, like everybody is there because they want to be. Yes. We need your knowledge. So (laughs) what does that feel like, though, to have so many people looking to you for guidance and answers during such a difficult time? Like Mm. the pressure of leadership. Do you feel Mm -hmm. that? I do. One of the things that feels like the most pressure is the relentless pace of keeping up with like the minute by minute updates. Most people uh, would just maybe read updates once a day or a couple times a day as they're on social media. They wouldn't necessarily be like literally hour by hour checking for updates. Sorting through what is important and what can wait for another day. So that is one of the biggest challenges, is maintaining um, some semblance of normalcy with my team. You know, like, you know what it's like, Vanessa, you have a team that you have to lead, and that doesn't stop. And you have a podcast, so do I. And so all of those things continue forward, despite the increased amount of pressure to keep up with world events. So that's part of it, is just the schedule aspect. But also, people are looking to you to say the right thing, not just to say any old thing, because you can find that in one of a thousand places, but to say the right thing. And so there is that sort of extra pressure of like, what is the right thing to say in this moment? History has its eyes on you. You know, like that sort of feeling. Well, and I think that is part of why you became so popular is because you had a way of just giving us the facts and you had a knack and a gift for kind of keeping your own politics to yourself. Like it just felt very neutral and it felt safe. And I felt like I could trust what I was learning from you, which by the way, if you don't follow Sharon, follow her immediately and go check out all of her Ukraine highlights. She saved everything. So many of your answers are going to be there about what's going on right now. But one thing that you said in your stories really stood out to me. You said, there is room for disagreement on a large number of issues. And I do my best to hold space for that. But murdering dictators? Nope. Can't help you. Pretending there are two viable viewpoints is just lying. Tell me more about that. Mm. You know, there are just some things that I don't think that it's okay to pretend that there is an other side for. That's just lying. If I want to pretend that there's like, well, what are some good reasons for the Holocaust? There is, there aren't any. If if I'm going to invent something, I'm just going to lie to you. Do you know what I mean? So if, if my commitment is to the truth, then my commitment has to be willing to take a strong stand on matters that are extremely important. You can go ahead and think whatever you want about top marginal corporate tax rates. We can talk about that all day, like positives, negatives, like should we have them high, have them low? Like there's a lot of room for discussion in that in that arena. But murdering innocent civilians in an unprovoked war, there there's just no excuse for that. There's no excuse for it. Well, and I have been thinking about the the soldiers that are fighting for Putin and what like, why are they doing it? Like, they must be getting different information, like, where it feels oh, like yeah. the right thing to do. And I know you spoke a lot about disinformation a couple of years ago during the election. And you mentioned that 
we're going to see more and more of it. We can expect to see more and more of it. So yeah. can you just can you just tell us what is disinformation? What are you referring to? Why is it dangerous? And how can we recognize it? Mm. Well, it is difficult to recognize sometimes. And it, without an education, it's difficult to recognize because the Russian disinformation machine is extraordinarily sophisticated. And so we think many times that disinformation is going to be like, oh my gosh, that's a scam. That's so easy to spot. Like nobody is trying to give you a million dollars on the phone. You know, like we think Mm -hmm. it's going to seem like a scam, but in reality, what makes it effective is that it seems very plausible. So unless somebody is very well educated on a topic, and this is not just about Ukraine, this is this is about disinformation in general. Many times, unless somebody has an education on a topic, it is very difficult to spot. So disinformation is the purposeful planting of false information, fake information, in an effort to achieve a certain objective. So in the case of this conflict with Russia and Ukraine, it might look like planting information that makes Ukraine look terrible. And you're already seeing a big uptick in that type of disinformation about, well, here's all the things that Ukraine has done wrong in its long history. And some of those things have elements of fact, but many of them are fabricated. The purpose of things like that is to make you more sympathetic to Putin, to make you more sympathetic towards the Russian position in this case, and to make it seem like, well, you know, maybe they're justified. Maybe it's maybe they're justified in their actions. Mm-hmm. So disinformation is separate from misinformation in that misinformation is often shared perhaps inadvertently or mistakenly. Perhaps a person doesn't have an intent to harm. They don't have an intent to spread false information, but the information seems very plausible to them. It seems like this seems real, like I want to believe this or I think this is right or somebody that I like and trust shared it. So I will trust that that piece of information. And so it can be easy for ordinary people with no ill intent to share misinformation inadvertently. That is also, that's also problematic, even though there's not ill intent. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is making sure that if somebody is going to share information online, that you're willing to back it up. You're willing to be the person that is willing to take the fall for sharing that because only we are responsible for our words and actions. We are responsible for the legacies that we are leaving online, the legacies we're leaving our children. The only person who is responsible for what I post is me. And that is absolutely true for all of us. And so if you see information that you were like, that seems important to share, it's important that we have the ability to verify that information with trusted, reputable sources. And if we can't, or we don't have the time to do that or the inclination to do that, then it's important not to contribute to the problem by sharing what turns out to be misinformation because people can make very life and death decisions based on information that is shared online, even if it is shared with no ill intent. Yeah. You know, if I read something and I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this. I need to share it with the world. Like there's an aha, like check yourself, do the research. Where do we go to do the research? Like you, where are the sources that we go to to see if this is true or not? Mm. Well, in the case of things like war, 
like mm-hmm. Ukraine, Russia. You want not to Snopes. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> we're not just gonna, no. the source is not Facebook. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to go to news organizations, reputable news organizations that have reporters on the ground. News organizations like Reuters, like the Associated Press, other international news agencies like uh, the BBC, those are the types of organizations that have been around for literally hundreds of years that have networks of reporters all over the world who are uh, obtaining information and then disseminating that information in a way that ha- they, those organizations have a framework of here is how we verify our information. And you often hear of Reuters and AP, uh, those are called wire services. And what they do is those networks of reporters all over the world write up a story and then other news organizations. So let's say you're going to go to CNN or Fox. Those types of news organizations take the reporting from those wire services and they use that as the basis for some of their stories. So the rest of the world truly depends on the wire services and their networks of reporters. And because those wire services depend on selling their stories to other news organizations, their reputations are on the line if they're getting the facts wrong their reputations are harmed from that. And so they don't operate from the perspective of selling ads, selling commercial space. They're not depending on that ad revenue. They're depending on their ability to get the story right. Less so, sensational headlines and more just the facts. These are This is what's really happening from a person yeah. who is there. Well, it, those those sources are hard to digest, you know, like I don't want to crack open Reuters at the end of a long day and no. like dig in. Like I want to open yeah. Instagram or Facebook and just scroll and, totally. and get my information that way. But we're being preyed upon. And I know a couple of years ago around the election, you were talking about the the things that Russians were doing to help fracture our country yeah. through disinformation. One of the things you said is disinformation campaigns are Russia's bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That's scary. That makes me that makes me a little bit scared. But mm-hmm. we can just trust our gut. If it seems too good to be true or too like, I've never heard this before, check ourselves. And then just take a lot of responsibility for what we are sharing online. Mm-hmm. It's nobody else's responsibility than yours to determine what is appropriate for you to share online. If you are not willing to to do the work, to back it up. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to. Like at the end of the day, Vanessa, you've had a hard day running a company, you got a bunch of kids. It's actually not your job to be a a Reuters reporter, right? right? That's actually not your job, but it is your job to be responsible for what you put out into the world. And so if if you don't have the time or inclination, which frankly, most people don't, to do the deep digging on information, then that is something that you just need to check in with yourself of, do I feel at peace about sharing this? Would I feel okay if my neighbor took action on this piece of information and it ended up being false? Would I feel okay about that? So that's sort of a, a guidepost that I use is sometimes I will find come across a very important, what I think is a potentially very important story. But until that information can be verified by multiple sources, to me, it is sometimes not worth the risk of sharing information that later turns out to not be true. I I like to make sure that things can be verified in multiple locations. Do no harm is a phrase that we let guide us in our business. And I think it's a good good thing to to keep in mind as we're sharing things online. But then we have 
many of us have people that live in our homes, like little people that are hearing things, that are seeing things. Conversations are happening at school, and they have a lot of questions. So mm-hmm. we maybe we don't need to study Reuters, but we do need to have a pretty clear idea of what's really going on because we have these people we're in charge of. So you have four kids, right? What are the mm-hmm. ages of your children? Mm-hmm. They are 9, 14, 17, and 19. Okay, so they're at an age, and they're probably used to having these kinds of conversations with you, right? So this isn't out in the blue. But my youngest is 14, and he really wanted to know, is this the beginning of World War III? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have an answer for him. But as that question hung in the air, there was a lot of fear in the room. Like how, mm-hmm. first of all, how would you answer that question? And then do you have any other tips for talking about these heavy topics with our mm-hmm. children? Yeah. So a few things. Is this the beginning of World War Three at this point, at this juncture today on March 1st, 2022? No. That's my answer. Okay. And I would be honest if I thought it was. Um, I, I'm, I don't have any incentive to be like, to, to be dishonest. Okay. So this juncture, no. Obviously things change, you know, and if Russia decides that it's going to go rogue and it wants to uh, drop some bombs on Germany over Nord Stream 2 pipeline shutdown, then that's going to be a different story. Then, Then yes. Then the answer is yes. But as of today at this moment, the answer is no. And in terms of how you talk to your kids about this, one thing I think is important to keep in mind is that children can handle need and want depend on us for the truth. Mm. We don't need to pretend that something isn't real. We don't need to say, don't worry about that. We don't need to say, well, you know, we'll see what happens. They depend on us for the truth. And again, it doesn't mean you have to spend eight hours a day studying Reuters, but a a 14-year-old and a five-year-old in an age-appropriate way can handle the truth. Children can handle being told that somebody has died. They can handle being told that there is a, a bad man who wants to take over another country and that people are being killed. They actually can handle that information. And again, it needs to be age-appropriate. Your 14-year-old can handle a lot more than a very small child can. Mm-hmm. But we, I think we underestimate our children's capacity for empathy. We underestimate our children's capacity to understand difficult and challenging issues. So I don't think we need to shy away from the the age-appropriate truth. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think there is any harm whatsoever in starting a conversation by saying, well, tell me what you've heard about that. Tell me what you're hearing. And then let's talk about what you're hearing. We can try to sort this out together. You don't have to pretend that you have all of the answers. Yeah. What I, I learned this from a very well-known child psychologist, Dr. Becky Kennedy, and she has a fantastic podcast and a Instagram account called um, Dr. Becky at Good Inside. And yeah, so she's I great. really, rec- she's really I recommend her. her. We had a conversation about dealing with difficult news with your children. And one of the pieces of advice that she has that really resonated with me was children don't need protection from bad news. What they need is to not be alone with it. It's not that they can't handle hearing that their grandmother has died and we need to pretend that their grandma is still alive. That's silly. What they need is to not be alone. 
in those feelings of grief or in those feelings of confusion. They need to feel like a trusted adult is there with them. And I can give you even a personal example of this. We were on vacation last week, as you mentioned, and my nine-year-old, we were on a boat, we were on a whale watching trip. Mm. And my my nine-year-old hurt herself, not, not seriously, but she's like scratched herself and then she got a bunch of salt water in it. And it really, really, really stung. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it actually really hurt. It's a bad combo. We are, <laughs> yeah, we are truly... On a boat, (laughs) far (laughs) offshore, and there is literally nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? She's not bleeding profusely. She doesn't need medical attention. It just hurts. And there's nothing, there's a first aid kit on the boat, but it's like for actual bleeding. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so because I couldn't take it away, what I did was I just like put my arm around her and I snuggled her and said, I know it hurts and I'm here with you you're not alone. I'm here with you. And it didn't take away her hurt, but I could tell that that, that that actually made her feel a little bit better. Yeah. That it wasn't just like, listen, we're on a boat and there's nothing I can do, you know, like, which is kind of what I wanted to say. Like we're on a boat, suck it up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wanted to say that, but I just said, I know it hurts. I'm here with you. And that was, and that was, she got through it. And it did eventually stop hurting and we enjoyed the rest of our whale watching trip. But isn't that what all humans need in a time of crisis? As mothers, especially, we want to solve all the problems, but there are lots Mm -hmm. of things that we just can't solve. And so just being there and sitting them with them in that discomfort is the best thing to do. Um, Speaking of discomfort, my husband took my son to a beautiful rally at our state capitol yesterday to show support for Ukraine, and they had a wonderful experience. But something that my son said later on in the evening made me very uncomfortable, and it was something pejorative about Russians in general. And obviously, that's wrong. We know that Putin's propaganda machine is running strong in his country, too. But There are a lot of very good people in Russia who don't want any part of this conflict, and they are hurting too. So that's partly why I have a hard time with sanctions. I know that they're important for showing Putin that what he's doing is wrong, but they are also painful to his people and our people. Mm -hmm. I saw a photo of bartenders in New York dumping all of their Russian vodka down the drain as a show of support for Ukraine. And at first I was like, yes, but then— I immediately thought of all the good Russians who are victims too. So yeah. um, I'm wondering how how can we help our kids understand and sort out all of the complexities of this situation? Mm. I think one of the things that is so important for our kids to learn, and frankly, a lot of adults need to learn this, is there is a difference between the people of a country and that country's leaders. Just like if somebody says, well, America, X, Y, and Z, are you actually the leader of America, Vanessa? No. And would you approve of every action taken by any leader of America? It doesn't matter who you voted for. At some point, you're going to disagree with the decision that, that an American leader has made. And so in the same way that we would not want to be lumped in with, um, some leader of our country, no matter who that is, the same way we would not want to be viewed on the international stage as somebody who absolutely loves X politician or Y politician and completely agrees with everything they've said. In that same way, most Russians are victims 
of Vladimir Putin's actions. The vast majority of Russians, many of them have lived with significant amounts of propaganda throughout their lives, but he has kept that country from developing in the way that it should or could. He has harmed his people. And so it's important to understand that there is a difference between Russians and Putin. They're two different, they're two different people. Just like yeah. there are difference between Americans and pick an American president. So I think it's really important to teach our children not to lump all people together. Just like you wouldn't want all people from a state lumped together, all people from a religion lumped together. That is a step towards dehumanization. When we begin to lump all people together and say things like, well, Russians just think X. That is actually a slippery slope. We want to, to be able to teach our children how important it is to separate the people from the actions of their leader and to not lump all people together. Yeah, that's such a great reminder. There are so many things that are just black and white, right? You you just know they're right or wrong. But there are lots of difficult things that our children face that have a lot of gray area. And I'm not talking politics and war. I'm just in life. There are a lot of things. And we want our children to be critical thinkers, right? So we had a, this question actually from our Mom Force Facebook group from Jessica. Hi, Sharon. I'm a mom of four and a former English teacher. I love your emphasis on how to evaluate sources. How can we teach our kids how to be critical thinkers? Mm. Well, this is true. If you have ever taken a debate class or you have gone to law school or, uh, you know, you've been involved in higher education, one of the things that is probably true that has happened to you is you've had a professor who challenged your opinions on something. And it's often called the Socratic method, which is, so Vanessa, what do you think should happen with all of the Ukrainian refugees? And then you'd give your answer of like, well, we should try to help them. We should try to find them food and houses and, you know, whatever your answer is, right? And then and then the next step would be to say, why? Why is it important to give them food and houses? Uh, well, because we're, we believe in the inherent worth of, hu- of human beings. Why, but why is that? Why are humans of inherent worth? And it's this Socratic method of continuing to press on a topic to drill down to its very essence. Mm. Instead of just being like, I agree, we should give them houses. I agree. Even if you agree. Asking your children the the deeper why, 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 why questions, which is kind of infuriating when your kids do it to you. <laughs> Flipping the script, I know. <laughs> Where you're like, I am just trying to cook some food. Yes. <laughs> I don't I don't know the answer. But and it doesn't mean every single conversation needs to have that. It doesn't mean that like our whole lives need to be taken up with why questions. But it's just one example of you can use that topic. For anything in your child's life, I don't want to share my toys with my brother. Well, tell me why that is. It's my toy. But what, you know, like you can drill down into their feelings about why they don't want to share. It, it Literally, that technique can be used on almost any topic. You can be reading a book. Why doesn't Thomas the Tank Engine want to go <laughs> on that track? You know what I mean? Just asking your child to think about why. It can be as age appropriate as, you know, as soon as your child is able to talk and comprehend, it can be age appropriate. And then the older they get, the more painful you got to make it for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, this is such a great thing to teach, to to model while they're living in our homes, because yes, life is messy out there on the world stage, but it is also messy in our own homes mm-hmm. and backyards and in our communities. One of the things that's been so inspiring as we've watched this conflict start to unfold is the leadership in the Ukraine. And I know you have a son who serves in student government of some mm-hmm. sort, right? Mm-hmm. You, you did a yeah. post once talking about rules for political office or like, you know, your rules for what it looks like to be a leader. So I was wondering if you could talk to us a little about that and how can we be helping our children develop into the leaders that we need? Because this is the rising generation. We're mm-hmm. going to be relying on them. To- totally. And I, I don't know about you, Vanessa, but I am frankly a little bit sick of bad behavior on the part of <laughs> politicians. I'm a little tired. Seriously, <laughs> me too. Like, Yeah. And so I think it's important to instill explicit instructions in your children about what type of behavior is acceptable and what isn't. So often we think about just raising our kids in like, I want them to be a good person right? I want them to be a a worthwhile member of society. And that's great. It's important to be a good person. But sometimes to be a good person takes really explicit instructions about what it means to be a good person. And so my son goes to college. And when I found out that he was going to run for uh, student Senate, which this is his second year in, in the Senate, and he's now like the treasurer of the Senate, et cetera. I told him, listen here, son, <laughs> there are a few things that I am, I have zero tolerance for. And if I ever catch wind of any of these things happening, you're not going to be happy with the outcome. And one of the things that I explicitly told him was there will be no women that you sexually harass. There will be no women who are like, one night at a party, like that. I there's zero percent. And Mm-mm. if I hear about it, here's what's going to happen: I will come to your Senate office. I will get <laughs> on the PA system, and I will say, Sharon is here to take you home. <laughs> and you know, like just that. I think it's actually a little, it's good to be a little afraid of disappointing your parents. Yes. A little afraid of disappointing (laughs) your parents. And he knows I'm dead serious. He Mm -hmm. knows I actually would come there Mm -hmm. and get on the PA system and be like, oh, heck no. That's not how this is going to go. Because he knows my personality, obviously. But I I actually would do that, by the way. I, I just think we need to tell our kids explicitly what is acceptable behavior. And what is it? And actually to define what does harassing a woman look like? Because there are different perceptions of like, well, I wasn't harassing her, but the woman feels harassed, right? So what exactly does that look like? What's acceptable? What's not acceptable? And I'm tired of politicians. Like, oh, I've been the, the governor for 11 years and oh, there's 75 women that have now come out of the closet. I'm I'm sick of it. Uh, It means we need to start teaching this to our actual children, because by the time some people get to be 60, it's too late. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like the damage has been done. So I, we've had very explicit instructions of like, listen, I'm not here to play. I'm not here to mess around. This is, it's not okay. It's not okay. Then what is not going to be okay in the future. Here's what you should never, ever, ever, ever do. And he hated that conversation. And I do not care at all. Mm -mm. I do not care. 
I'm glad you hated it. The most important conversations often our children do not enjoy because they're hard, that's right. but that's our job. It's cringy. It's yeah. cringy. cringy. Oh, gosh. It's cringy oh, that, that your mom is like, here is what sexual harassment means. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's so cringy that your mom is telling you that. But listen, I am your parent. There is nobody else who is your mother. And if your mother cannot instill this information in you, then Lord help us. It goes back to what you said that there's there shouldn't be any topics that are off limits. Like we need to be talking about our kids, about all the hard things that are happening out there in the world, the hard things that they're going to face in the future. That's like, that's our job. That's our number one mm-hmm. job. That's right. And we have this opportunity now to look at these two different leaders out there and we can draw lessons from what mm-hmm. we see going on far away and then right here in front of us too in our own country. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to shift the conversation a little bit from less from what's happening right now and go back to the past. Mm-hmm. My husband is a huge history buff. In fact, mm-hmm. he says that if he hadn't married me so young, he would have been a history major and, and a man of the arts. But we got married and pregnant very soon and he was an accountant, did the responsible <laughs> thing, um, but loves, loves history and is often sharing the lessons that he learns you know, with our family, because there is so much to be learned from history. Now, you're Mm. a history buff as well. Why do you think it's important for us to study history? Mm. History matters. It absolutely matters. History, you know, you've heard the phrase of like, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. But that sounds cliche, but the history of a people, a place, a nation, an event, those things continue to reverberate and echo today. And if you want to make a difference in the world, understanding how the world works is super useful, right? So if you want to understand how to improve, your car's making a weird sound and you're like, I got to fix it. The car is messed up. Guess what? You need to learn how a car works. Mm -hmm. It's real hard to fix it if you don't have any understanding, knowledge, education about cars. The same is true of humanity, government, countries. If you want to understand how they work, you have to learn history. And if you want to make change, you have to learn history. Yeah. So the a, a nation's systems and people and structures and government are all rooted in the history of that place. Uh, Americas are, and for good and for bad, we have many wonderful things in our history. We have terrible things in our history. It's important to know all of it. We can't just be like, yay, it's a flag. We love flags. Best flag in the world. But it's great that you love being an American, but you have to understand the full picture of our history in order to make change in the world. Yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. That's right. And I just shout out to your courses. I have enjoyed learning. I'm one of your governors, by the way. (laughs) I've enjoyed learning more in depth parts of our history from you. Make sure you check out Sharon's courses. But just as our country's history and world history is important, our family histories are so Mm, important. And this and the same applies. Like the good, the hard, the failures. Mm. Are you as passionate about your family history as you are US history? Mm. Your family of origin is so important. It's important in ways you don't even realize, right? Like sometimes you're like, dang it, I didn't even know that. And now I can see uh, how that has affected my life. So understanding your own family of origin, I think is just, it's integral to understanding yourself. 
Yeah. Right. Like if you want to understand yourself, how you can be a better person, how you can make better changes in the world, impact your family, you have to understand your family. And it doesn't mean when you find out something about your family where you're like, yikes, it doesn't mean they're like, well, I, I don't love grandpa anymore. You know what I mean? Like we have this idea that, that finding out something that is a little cringy, so to speak, um, means that you stop loving somebody or that it uh, view them in a really negative way. We all have things that we wished hadn't happened, of course. But preserving your family's history, I think is also so important. That's one of the reasons I love what you do, Vanessa, is because so much of our family's history exists on our phones and exists Mm -hmm. on our computers today. I mean, like the entirety of my nine-year-old's life exists on my phone and on my laptop Mm -hmm. that I don't give her unfettered access to. I'm not like, well, go ahead and click around. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I think it's incredibly important that we um, as parents are the stewards of our family's legacy, that we understand that everything that we do and say online is part of our legacy that we're leaving our children. And I think it's important for kids to have access to their family's history, to their family's legacy in their homes and not just on their parents' devices. Exactly. And it sounds like we need to get you some chat books. If your phone (laughs) photos are all on your phone, we will hook you up. We will fix that for you. I do. I do print my photos. I used to be a photographer. So I do. I understand the importance of printing your pictures. But I'm just saying, you know, it is still true, though, that I have 68,000 images on my phone. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, we don't need that many. But you're right. A single photo can be so powerful. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about you and your family photos. Do you have a favorite family photo? I talk a lot about the magic in our everyday. Like sometimes we Mm -hmm. document the big things, graduation, the recitals, like all those big things. And those are huge and important too. But it's all the little in-between moments of family life that Mm -hmm. I think are the most beautiful and the most meaningful and the ones that I'm really going to want to hold on to. So I'm wondering, Mm -hmm. do you have a photo of your family that captures one of those magical in-between moments? Mm. You know, some of my favorite photos that I look back on, first of all, I loved looking at my mom's photo albums when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. My sisters and I frequently looked at our family photo albums that my mom, you know, put together when Mm -hmm. she was a teenager all the way through adulthood. And some of my favorite pictures in there are, were of my parents being silly. They were not staged. They weren't like, okay, smile. It was, you know, like a Christmas morning, not where it was like, oh my gosh, a beautiful dollhouse. No, it was my dad taking a hair ribbon or a, a Christmas ribbon and tying it in his hair like a like a headband as, as a joke. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like a silly image. To me, I can hear my dad's laugh. I can Aww. see his sense of humor. And to me, that is almost, I mean, am I, am I going to hang that on the wall? Probably not. But those are the types of images. I think you're exactly right. That those silly pictures that conjure his personality. My dad passed away a number of years ago. And so those types of images are actually more meaningful now to me than the ones that are like, here's dad smiling and looking at the camera. You know what I mean? Totally. It was just who he was. He had a goofy sense of humor and that embodies that for me. I love that. Now, as a professional photographer, you've clearly got skills. You're probably often the person behind the camera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As most mothers are, actually, I think for a lot of families, we just don't have that many pictures of the mom because she's always yeah. the one taking the picture. But I'm That's wondering, right. is there a photo of you that you love that might even sh- share something with the world that we we don't know about you? Something surprising. Mm. 
Mm. Well, let's see. I can think of one family picture that I that is truly one of my favorites, and I looked absolutely terrible in it. And I love that picture so much for the memory that it uh, that it represents. I was riding the Dumbo ride at Disney World with my okay. four year old. It was pouring rain. And I had ripped one of my contact lenses and was wearing like my giant glasses in the rain on Dumbo. Okay, so I've got the image in my mind. Yeah. So if you've watched The Office, you know how like Pam has a a pair pair of terrible glasses and everybody's like, wow, you're ugly. (laughs) When she wears them, that was how I felt like I looked. There's no cuteness involved, but just seeing how how my daughter's face uh, in that image and reliving that moment of how much she loved it. I, those those kind of moments are things that you will someday be so glad that you have. Yeah. And so I love to encourage moms to take the picture and keep the picture. Yeah. So often we delete, delete it. We delete pictures of ourselves that we feel like are like, ugh, I have yep. extra chins. Mm-mm, I'm wearing my ugly, ugly glasses. Now at this moment, five years later, I do not care at all about how mm-hmm. I looked in that picture. I do not care about my glasses. I don't care that my hair was wet. I don't care about the mascara smudges. (laughs) I do not care. I promise you someday you will not care. I love how that photo just encapsules like the sacrifices we make as mothers for our children. Mm -hmm. And there you are. (laughs) And that, you know, is more meaningful to you five years down the road and will be more meaningful to your daughter when you are gone. So get in the photo. Ladies, mm-hmm. Sharon, thank you for being such a light and sharing your goodness with the world and for being so fun. I know we were talking about some heavy things here today, but if you follow Sharon on Instagram, you know she is fun. Um, <laughs> our world has become heavier and harder recently, and it's normal to feel heartbroken and scared for the future. But our families, they need our full attention right this moment. How can we not feel guilt for carrying on with our normal life, for planning what we're going to do on spring break. Like, what, what's your secret for staying so optimistic and hopeful? Mm. Well, first of all, it's your, it's your job to, to give your children the best life that you can, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. your job. And I don't mean monetarily, like, giving them all the Lamborghinis. I just mean... Um, <laughs> Not even one Lamborghini. Not not even (laughs) a Lamborghini. Um, (laughs) But it's your job to create as many positive experiences with your children as as you possibly can. And that might just mean walking in the park or getting ice cream or having a conversation. That's literally your job. They look to you for that. They look to you for that sense of normalcy. They look to you to be the person who they can depend on when times get hard. And if you uh, shut down your entire life because something is happening in the world, that signals to your child that like, oh, I don't know if my mom can handle this. Mm-hmm. I don't, this is this is actually really scary. Like I'm not, I don't see her being able to carry on. Sometimes it's necessary to act that way. Sometimes you have a tragedy in your family or death in your family and it's necessary to act that, act that way. Um, the world is not made better by all of us just wringing our hands and doing nothing right? The world is made better by a large number of people taking small actions on a daily basis. And 
that in and of itself will create far more change in the world. Just doing something small every day with the resources you have available to you, with the time you have, with the life stage that you're in, doing something small will have huge ripple effects that you may not even realize. You don't even realize the, the results of your labor, but that is more important than trying to, you know, be Hercules and shoulder the entire globe on your back. That's not possible. Don't buy into the lie that your small actions don't matter because they absolutely do matter and they do make a difference in your children's lives and in your community at large. That ripple effect of kindness, it's real and it's powerful. You've been Mm -hmm. able to rally your governors, your community to do some amazing things in the world. Right now, we're facing a humanitarian crisis as a result of this conflict. And I know a lot of our listeners are wanting to, in addition to these little things at home and in their communities, want to do something to help. Where are you sending people who are interested in in that? Mm. It depends a little bit on where they feel like a, a tug to assist. But there are certainly, when you're talking about a humanitarian crisis, an overseas humanitarian crisis, you need reputable organizations that actually have people on the front lines there. You don't mm-hmm. you don't want to be just randomly Venmoing people on the other side of the world money. Really? Because they're I've, I've done they're, that. <laughs> <laughs> it feels helpful. <laughs> Unless it's somebody that you know and trust. You okay. know what I mean? Like this person actually works in an orphanage and I can verify that. You want if you're dealing with a humanitarian crisis, which this is, it's mm-hmm. over 600,000 people who've had to leave Ukraine at a moment's notice. Um, you need organizations that have infrastructure to be able to deal with those types of crises, infrastructure to provide clean drinking water, food, shelter, et cetera. So for those types of things, you want to be looking at some of those, the bigger organizations. Like there is a, a refugee agency run by the United Nations. The Red Cross has a lot of refugee groups. There are other groups overseas that work just with children and the places like orphanages. There is a, a post that I shared recently that has a, a list of reputable organizations that people can donate to if that's what they want to do. You're awesome. Okay. Tell us where to find you. Sharon says so on Instagram. Where else? Where can they find your courses? Oh, that's so nice. Um, So yeah, you can follow me on uh, Facebook or Instagram uh, at Sharon Says So. Uh, I have a podcast called Sharon Says So. And then my website is just SharonMcMahon.com. And I have, you can click on courses. I have like, they're just downloadable. Learn something new. they're, They're cheap inexpensive. Yeah. And I'm telling you from experience, the perfect girls night out. Okay. <laughs> Skip the club. <laughs> Not that I ever did that. Get a course, get some beverages and enjoy. Paint your nails. Yeah. yeah perfect. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Sharon. You're and we'll so be welcome. following along. Thank you for all of your coverage. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special Chapbooks discount code. Until next time.